Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. In 1 Chronicles 27 and 28, I want to lift something from this passage, and then I want to just kind of chisel into it for us today. And then the other place that I want to make notice of is... um, is some other scriptures that we'll get to as we're working along here. How many know the scripture says to honor your father and your mother? Amen. I think we need to do that on a regular basis, but today, especially today, we want to honor our fathers. How many fathers in the room? Raise your hand. All right, let's give them a big hand, all of our fathers. Amen. This is going to seem like a very simplistic verse, but it is a very powerful truth that's buried here. So 1 Chronicles 27, we could read it 25 and down. And so um, we'll start at verse 28. However, because of the names that are in there, you need the Holy Ghost to be able to say those names. (laughs) You need another tongue because it's... Uh, Uzi and Heliazar and who knows what. So we're going to start in First Chronicles 27 and verse 28. And it says, and over, this was the king, just the backstory. this king is handing out jobs to his men. And he said, and over the oil, the olive trees and the sycamore trees that were in the low plains was Belhana, the Gedorite. So he's giving these these different jobs names he's assigning them to men and this is the section i want you to grab and over the sellers of oil was joash how many remember the name joash one of david's mighty men valiant and amazing had done many great things and notice that he's given a job here that's over the sellers of oil in the in the old testament in king david's kingdom there was a section and a place where they kept oil that they had made from the olive trees and it was a cellar and they were there was someone who was given the job of tending to that oil and the person that was given that is Joash. So I want to just kind of glean from that just a little bit and I want to talk for a little while about following the fathers. That'll make more sense in a little bit. Following the fathers. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, use your word anointed. It's already anointed, but use this vessel, I pray, to bring forth great truth in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated, and as you're being seated, Mark, would you make your way up here, Mark Clems? Everybody give Mark a big hand. This is for completing 12-plus weeks of Bible study for Search for Truth. Congratulations, Mark. This is your certificate. Amen. All right, show him some love. Show him some love. Check that out. He is excited. You cannot put enough importance on the title Father. Amen. Scripture talks about when you're going to baptize that it even includes the name singular Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And it is a title to be sure, but the truth is God designed for fathers to be in the family. Amen? Scripture tells us he setteth the solitary in families, but I understand that there is a hierarchy of authority that's put into the family. Our generation doesn't necessarily like that message, but I want to tell you that through the entire Old Testament, it's written about families. Amen? 
it's truly an entire a, an entire testament that's dealing with families and fathers of families and and we see that whenever we come to our generation there's people that are saying that well the church is more important than the family i beg to differ as a preacher because you can lose the church you can you can change churches you can go to a different place but if you lose your family you may never recover all right, well, that's truth. Anyways, I'll just try to get us revved up here a little bit, all right? It's Sunday morning, I know, and it's Father's Day, and we're all coming down off a sugar high from Krispy Kreme. But I want you to know this, that the father has a specific role in the, in the home. He's supposed to be a protector. He's supposed to be a provider. He's supposed to be sheltering. And the Bible even talks about if someone breaks in unaware, that the man should stand up and defend his home, amen? So if you think that we walk in a, in a realm where people are seeing, more and more and less and less, I should say, fathers in the families, and that's not affecting our culture and our society, I beg to differ. As a preacher, I have to tell you that God started first dealing with families before he ever created the institution of a church. What we're benefiting right now from the preached word of God didn't happen till 4,000 years after God began to talk with men and with fathers, amen? Sent Abraham out into a place he didn't understand, just following the Father. How many know we must follow our Heavenly Father? So the church is more than just a place where we come and we gather. It is literally a place where God deals with men as the head of homes. Amen? So we must understand that the most important people on earth, some of the most important people on earth, have a title, and that title is Father. Why don't you give the Lord a great big hand for your Father this morning? Brought you into this earth. Hallelujah. Personal revelation and personal restoration of our fathers is so necessary in our day. It's not just one or two. Don't get me wrong. It's not just maybe one island, one guy that just can't seem to get the whole family thing right. It's affecting our entire culture. People don't understand how to be good fathers anymore. And so we need a true restoration of the father in the home. Amen? I'm telling you that because with every restoration comes something else. We cannot truly know what, what it's like to experience the power and the presence of God if we don't have a restoration to our Father. So therefore, this only stands to reason that we can't truly understand the greatness and the design of God for the home if we don't have a restoration of our earthly fathers. Amen? And I want to be connected to my heavenly Father. Somebody say Amen. Brother Maurice praying this morning, kept on saying, Father God, Father God, because this is Father's Day and we want to recognize that our Father in heaven should be hallowed. His name should be hallowed. It should be holy. In fact, the scripture says that when you pray, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven, everything else follows and is following the Father. Amen? So that title is very important. We must understand that. And we must understand this, that our restoration to our Heavenly Father is what allows the next thing to happen. It precedes. The restoration with our Father precedes a time of refreshing. Someone said amen. It, it precedes a greater anointing. Amen. It precedes an advancement in the kingdom. It precedes revelation from God. It precedes spiritual growth, favor, and blessing from God. We've got to be connected to our Heavenly Father. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to know we must be following the Father. That's important to know. I'm talking about our Heavenly Father right now. It is, it is a wonder to me 
the design that God ordained the Father in the home and the pattern that he initiated from us to him, that, that he would be our heavenly Father, our protector, our restorer, our, the one that keeps us, the one that loves us with an everlasting love. And, and there's so many great names for God, and, and there's so many great places that we see in the Scripture that talk about God as being Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Nisi, and Jehovah Tishkenu, and all these other Hebrew names. But when we realize that Jesus was God's plan in action, when we realize that Jesus came robed in flesh, that it truly was the Father found on earth, that God in him, the hope of our glory, the fact that we have victory through one that is following the Father, amen, that we have the power of God unto salvation in our life, all because Jesus walked in the footsteps of the plan of his Father. And I see this because I know it's only a title and I understand that the Father is the Spirit indwelled in the flesh and that we can see God moving in a very powerful way through the ministry of Jesus Christ. But even through all that, when Jesus left, he said, I must go because there's another coming who's comforter. And then he clarifies that I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. And so today, if you feel comfort in the house of God, I promise you this, it is the Father in spirit and in truth coming to comfort your heart. It is the Spirit of God working among us, the active force of God. I'm grateful for the Father. I'm grateful that I'm instructed in scriptures to follow Jesus. Jesus himself saying, if any man will come after me, if you're going to follow the Father, you're going to have to follow me is what he's saying. Because I am the Father incarnate in flesh. I have robed myself through the womb of a woman and came to be in the midst of you. I'm thankful that there's a God in heaven who hatched a plan on earth that brought me the salvation that can bring me home to heaven. Amen. I'm grateful. Grateful that following the Father will not make me ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God, our Father, the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And so when I follow after the footsteps of Jesus, I'm following the Father. Someone said amen. Our culture is falling apart at the very understructure. We're seeing that we have built so many things upon the family, and now the family foundation is being torn out from underneath the structure. And I promise you this, the splintering and the cracking in the walls of our culture are simply because you cannot remove the foundation and leave the building standing. You simply cannot do it. It will not work. It's affecting our culture. A culture follows the fathers. Somebody said amen. Our economy follows the fathers. Crime and the, the effect on our nation is because the fact that we're losing fathers in the home. I don't know if you know this or not, but statistics are very, very clean in their understanding of what is going on. Fathers not being present in the home is very effective on the church and on the home. A father who does not go to church and worship causes one in 50 children to not be a worshiper. Literally, what was what's happening is if, if a father doesn't take his family to church, his children will literally fall away from God. It's almost a given. Out of 25 million children who are fatherless, 67% of these children become inmates. They go to jail. That's a very alarming statistic. And whether it's close or not, 67% is off the charts. Five times more likely, these children who are fatherless are five times more likely to be poor. 
Oh, the Bible tells us my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We need our fathers in the home. 30% children that have no father in their home. 30% more likely to use drugs. Two times more likely to drop out of school. The fatherless generation is what we're seeing right now. And I just want you to know that I don't want to give you a gleam or, or, or just a, uh, some sort of glim understanding of what's going on because I see in Scripture Scripture where, and I, I'm excited today, forgive me for yelling, I don't want to yell this at you, I want to teach it to you, but I feel like yelling because I have a little bit of, you know, like that righteous indignation, because I watch families crumble in front of me, and I'm like, if we could just get a father in that home, it would change everything. If we could get a man of God on position and in position, it changes the outlook of that family. So yes, there's some righteous indignation in me, a fatherless female it has 43% more likely to marry as a teenager. 71% more likely to have children as a teen. 16% more likely to have an out-of-wedlock birth. And 92% more likely to get a divorce. I'm telling you what, the devil knows what he's doing when he hatched a plan to take the father out of the family. And this church is all about putting the Father back in the home. Our Heavenly Father and our earthly fathers. Amen, amen. I'm not going to yell this at you anymore. <laughs> I think I spent all of my energy. <laughs> I got excited. So let me teach you. In the scripture that I read to you, there's only one sentence I want to pull from that, and that is, and over the sellers of oil was Joash. I wanted to give you the backstory because that's what pastors do, amen? I have a Bible study with some friends of mine, and they're always like, what's the backstory? <laughs> so I try to get the backstory out. What happened was, see, what happened was, <laughs> that's an inside joke. I apologize, me and Brother Maurice. We play golf, and it's, you know, whenever we hit it bad, we see, see what happened was, Brother Maurice. I hit that ball really wrong. <laughs> it was a bad decision, okay? Wrong club. So what had happened was all the men that were warriors for David, his army and his men that were valiant men, they, they knew nothing, many of, many of them growing up with a sword in their hands. They, this is how culture was in those times. And in, in, the, in the season of war, they would go out and they would war with the neighbors who were trying to take over their land and their country. And so what happened is the Philistines often would array themselves in battle and would come to fight the Israelites. And these men... Literally, at the time of this writing, were men that had no longer a job. They literally were out of a job because in, in the 18th chapter of Second Chronicles, it tells us that David had conquered all of his enemies. The Moabites, the Hittites, every one of the Ites, all, the, all, the, all those folks, he had literally defeated all of them. And he was at peace and reigning over all the land. And so his valiant men, his men that knew only war, were men that were now sitting in a, in a, in a place where they had no job. So what David decided to do, this is long after David had defeated the bear and the lion and all, and all of the other things. And, and long gone were the memories of conquering Goliath. He was now an old man. And he decided, I will disperse positions and jobs to all of my valiant men and give them a place in the kingdom to work. And so the king always wants us working, amen? If we're 
not fighting, we need to have a job in serving. Somebody say amen. That's a real deep concept. I won't get into that well right now, but let's continue on. So what happened was they had this big gathering, and, and the king's crier said, hey, we're going to give out all of the king's jobs. Everyone gather yourself together. And these were unruly men. They didn't understand. the. They, they, they were just uncouth. They didn't know how to have a meeting, okay? So they sat around, and they, they made a lot of noise, and they didn't know what to do. And so they finally got them all calmed down, and they were all excited. They had all been talking to their families because even though they went out to war, they still came back during the season. They all had their own families back in the kingdom, even though they were men of war. So a lot of them were sharing, hey, baby, guess what? We're getting a new job. We're going to get a new paycheck, going to get a nice house and a new car. And some of them were even hoping to get service positions in the palace. Hey, we've been warring. We've been faithful to the King David. We're going to get a job possibly in the palace, honey. We're moving on up to the east side. You know, finally got a piece of the pie. <laughs> yeah, you know it. A little bit of craziness going on up here. Pray for me. So what happened, what happened was they all gathered together and the, and the king's announcer begins to give out the positions. And I can just imagine Joash being a very valiant man. In fact, a man close to David was expecting the best job coming his way. You know, I've put in the time. I've got the scars and the marks, some of them missing years, some of them only one eye because they were men of war. But they were going to now receive the rewards of everything they had fought for. They had been faithful to the king and he's given out. Great blessings this day. So Joash, I'm sure, was excited, and the drums would play, and they say, and this person has this job, and and Bell Hannah gets the olive trees and the sycamore trees to tend, and and they're all thinking, wow, what comes with that? I bet he's got a nice house in the pasture out there in the near the trees, and and I bet he gets the best oil at his house and his lamps, and and I bet all the things that happen, you know how it is. Not usually that that's not usually the case. Usually the person that works on shoes that kids don't have any shoes and and the person that it's good for me because I'm also a funeral director so it's fine it's good my kids never need a funeral director it's kind of funny but it's not anyways so what happens is in the overall scheme of things Joash is waiting and waiting and we get to first chronicles 27 28 and it's all the jobs have been literally almost given away and Joash is probably sitting there going what was the use I put in all those years serving the king and all the best jobs have been given away. But I want you to know that when you follow the father, he always has a plan for your life. And even when it looks like you have the least and everyone else has the best, sometimes the last in his kingdom becomes first. In fact, that's God's economy. So he waited to almost the end and he said, Joash, in this little scripture, you're going to be a keeper of the king's oil. I don't know if you know what that means, but oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure Joash was disappointed. I'm sure he's like, he went to the guy who's telling them what to do and who, what kind of position they're in and say, hey, that seems wrong. I mean, I, I, I did so much for David. I fought so hard. Can you check the books again and make sure my name is really under the keeper of oil? 
It's, it's the lowest place in the kingdom, literally, where they kept the cellars for the oil was in the lowest place in Israel. And, and sometimes you and I, we do the same things. We qualify what God wants to give us according to what we think we need from God and how much God really gives. I mean, he gives good gifts to his kids. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes we analyze and process according to our own lusts what kind of good gifts we think God should give us. And when he gives us a low place of service, when he gives us a place where that seems we got the job last, and we were the one that we're supposed, was supposed to get it first, we, we don't always understand that God has a bigger plan. And if we just keep following the Father, if we just keep following the Father, we will find out what he is up to. And so the king knew what job he gave Joash, I guarantee you. And Joash was a faithful man. So he just began to serve in the king's kingdom. I don't know if you think you're qualified to serve in the king's kingdom, but I guarantee you this, no matter who disqualifies you on this earth, God has a different qualification process. And no matter who or what you go through, God will qualify you for the position he's given you. So we need to follow the Father no matter what life looks like, no matter how things go. Joash just kept following the Father. We must not mistake the understanding that he has our best in mind, even when we're going through the worst. I should have got, I got one amen. Let's try this again. If you're going through the worst times, settle it in your heart that you are coming out of that and God has a bigger plan for you. The cellar of oil was moldy. It was smelly. They were dumping oil and it'd get all over them and things would happen. But I want you to understand that in the biblical days, the reason why this was such a big deal in the scripture that I'm reading is because it wasn't just a job. It was your future. Because in that culture, whatever your father did is what you would do. And so when they're the when we look at our culture, we think of we're able to have some sort of escalation. We can maybe climb the ladder of success or we can, we can pull ourselves out of the situation we're in if we just strap ourselves down, pull up our bootstraps and just get through college and just get things done and, 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 and just get things through, our, through and, and finish and get that degree or move on to a better job. We can literally have some sort of escalation in our life. But this is not the case in this situation. When they were given a job, it was given to the whole family. So I can see Joe Ash putting his hands in his pockets. A little bit disappointed, can't you? I mean, he's done so much for the king and going home. And I built up their anticipation so much, Mike. I, I, I was talking to him about all the stuff, Nate. I'll get everybody here. And Seth, they were, they were so excited. I, I, had them, I had them so anticipating we're moving to the palace. I'm so close to David. I thought me and him is going to be good, you know? It's going to do me a solid. We were going to get in tight, you know? Me and my bud David, the king. But no, he's put me in the lowest place, keeping the oil. And now I have to tell my sons that you have to follow your father in keeping the oil. I don't think we understand fully sometimes what God's up to. Amen? Amen? But we have to truly be willing to trust him. So in the overall picture, 
where the light bulb turns on for Joash is quite a few years later. He just keeps working and serving in that moldy dungeon of a place. But what, see, what Joash didn't know is the largest space in the kingdom was in the cellars of oil because there was all kinds of channels and all kinds of secret passages that went all underneath the city of God. And there was places where you could access the throne room and places where you could access the palace by going through cellars because they had to carry oil to the lantern that lit the night lights in the city and they had to carry oil to the tabernacle so that the light could never go out in the sanctuary because the temple of the Lord was so sacred that the light represented the spirit of God. How awesome is a job that represents the holy presence and anointing of God. So important that the Old Testament tells us that they were never supposed to let the light go out in the tabernacle because it represents the resident presence of Almighty God. And if it goes out, it was, a di- it was a disfavor to God. It was a disrespect to God. So Joash literally had the job of telling all of Israel, God hasn't left us yet. God's still here because there's a burning on the altar of God. And I'm in control because I make the oil that they put in the sanctuary. So I understand As he's living his life, maybe he started to get it because he had secret places to the Most High built into his job and his life. Nobody else had that kind of access, but he didn't know that when he got the lowly position. You see what I'm saying? God knows what he's doing with your life. Always trust him. And so the day came when Joash gets a knock at the door I'm going to bring this full circle quickly. If you give me five, ten minutes, ten more minutes at the most, I promise. Is that okay? Oh, just a big head nod. Amen. All right. And those that were already head nodding because you're falling asleep, you just agreed. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is, is awesome in the sanctuary. It's, it's a great place to get rest and a nap. In 1 Samuel 4, verse 3 and 4, it tells us that the light was never to go out in the tabernacle. It literally, that they, it talks about places where they were used, not this section, but they, they used the Holy Ghost as a reference. And I just covered that. But there's also a place where they would take the Ark of the Covenant into battle because it represented God's Spirit. And, and what I wanted to talk to you about was the fact that when they took the Ark of the Covenant into battle, there was many times when they did this, and I personally, because of my studies, I thought that when Hophni and Phinehas went to Shiloh and took the Ark of the Covenant because they had got beaten the day before by the Philistines, 4,000 men fell, that they were taking the Ark of the Covenant improperly and taking it into battle because that would give them the victory, almost like a rabbit's foot of sorts, like if we have the Ark, we're going to win. But and what, So what I always thought was that was an improper use of the presence of God. But what I didn't realize is there's multiple places in history where they did that. It's often often found in scripture that you find things that you didn't know if you just dig a little bit. Amen. Amen. And so I don't I don't have time to go through it all, but David used it when he was fighting. There's different places where they carried the ark into the into battle. In fact, the enemy so much knew this that the when the ark of the covenant would come into the camp of the Israelite, there would be a shout that went up. That's why we still shout when the Holy Spirit shows up. Amen. It's because when God's Spirit shows up in this place, it ought to be met with a shout of praise. Hallelujah. So when David would bring the ark of the covenant in, because the 
the people would be energized and would fight like men. Guess what? The, 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 it would travel to the Philistines and the enemies, and they would hear the great shout of the people of Israel, and fear would strike their hearts because they knew that the ark of God had entered into the presence of the Israelites, and they would be fearful, even so much so that they were greatly afraid and sometimes ran from the battle. But Hophni and Phinehas carries the ark into battle, but they are defeated. And 30,000 men lost their life that day. If you and I were back in Israel and we heard our sons and some of our fathers fell that day, you would question God. But the problem was in that particular time, there was no keeper of the sellers of oil. There was people that were doing their job, but they just didn't do it properly. Somewhere along the lines, maybe maybe there was someone that dropped it off, but it didn't get put in the right place. But in the scripture, a few chapters back, it tells us that the light went out in the temple of God. And when the light goes out, his blessing leaves. That's why, fathers, if I could adjure you in any way, please keep the spirit of God in your homes. We have to have the Spirit of God in this place because if we ever let the light go out, we will not be victorious in the battles against the spiritual darkness of this world. We must realize we can't do this on our own. We've got to have the presence and the power of God. Somebody said amen. Amen. So there's a knock at the door one day. I'm finishing. And Joash now has his sons in the business. Amen. And you, you know, it's not one of those businesses where you all get to work and then sit back and have some nice tea. It's not one of those businesses because it's in a cellar. It's in a dirty place. And when they're dumping oil, it gets all over their clothes and it gets all over their shoes and it gets all over them. In fact, you could tell the sellers of oil by their smell because they always smelled like oil. And so what happened would be they be... The, literally, the floor of the cellar of oil was anointed with oil from all the spills of the oil. And their children's shoes would be stained with oil. And I, I just want to pause for a minute and step out of the natural into the supernatural and, the pre- and preach this message. If you are a man who is following the Father and you are keeping the anointing in your life, It'll spill over onto the places where your children walk. It'll spill onto the foundations of your home. It'll affect everything in your life. Because if you are a keeper of the king's oil, our father's oil, it will change the future of your children. Amen? Because your children desire to follow their father. A son's first hero is his father. Amen? A daughter's first love is his father. Of course, that changes very rapidly after she gets 13. But, you know, at that point, you can't do anything wrong. So what happens is there's a knock at the door and it's the king's servant. And he said, the king has requested of you oil. In Second Chronicles 2, it talks about how Solomon is building the most beautiful temple constructed. And he requires, by asking another king, that they send workers who know how to work silver 
and work craftsmanship of wood and craftsmanship of metal so that they can build the most beautiful edifice to God, that they can dedicate this thing. And David wasn't allowed to build it because he was a man of war and he had blood on his hands. But in the scripture, it talks about Solomon saying in this particular verse 10, it actually says, I will pay you, tuck into the other king, I will pay you barley, wheat, wine, and 20,000 bats of oil. Do you know what that reference is to? 20,000 baths of oil. Sorry, I read my notes wrong. Looks like two T's up here. It equals 180,000 gallons of oil. Joe, I just have, I think this was a light bulb moment for Joash. Because all of a sudden he realized that had he not labored in the cellar of oil, had he not kept keeping the king's oil, had he not influenced his children to keep the king's oil, they never would have had enough oil to build the temple of God. I want you to know that it doesn't matter how much money this church has. It doesn't matter how much bills we end up having if we just keep the oil of God in the house of God. If we just keep the anointing, it's the oil that will pay the bill. So somewhere along the line, I think Joash got a little bit happy. Now, I understand understand. All along I thought it was the most simple job. All along I thought it was the lowest position but literally now because I live and I serve the king and I passed it on to my children we have enough oil to pay for the building of the temple of God. Literally they were impressed to pass it through the generations. And the bills were paid by the oil. I don't know what bills you have sitting on your kitchen table. I don't know what bills are sitting on the counter. But I promise you this, if you carve yourself out a cellar of prayer and you keep the oil in your life burning, God will help you pay those bills off the anointing that's in your life. Oh my goodness, I wish I could preach that for a while. If you would just continue to find a seller of prayer and a seller of fasting and continue to lead your family while following the Father, I promise you this, God will make it good for you and the day will come when you will have a moment where you say, now I see the purpose. I didn't understand it then, but now it all makes sense. I wasn't given the least. I was given the most all along. Would you stand with me today? I'm sorry if I'm a little bit weepy, but you have to understand that I was in a position of thinking that I had the least because I never had a father in my life growing up. I looked at other people, I looked at other families, and I was like, man, that's awesome. They're going on family vacation. Dad is providing. We didn't have that. I had stepdads came along and went. But my original dad, I didn't even have, I don't even have, right now, I don't even have a picture with me and my dad in the same picture. I'd have to go digging somewhere in a box, somewhere in a storage unit, to find the picture of me and my dad and my wife standing at the altar when we got married almost 20 years ago. That is literally the only picture with me and my dad in it. So here's a man that wanted to serve God with all his heart. 
and thought I was given the least. But I come to find out with a generation missing their father, with a generation with an absent father, I was actually given one of the greatest blessings. And that is now I know I can understand and I can pastor people who have no father. And I can pastor people who feel rejected and left out and put at the lowest place. And yet God is going to use them and I can trust the plan that God has on their life. And I can pastor to people who don't have a father in their life and don't know what it's like to have the blessing and the affirmation of a father. And I can walk up to him and put my arm around him and say, I've been there. I know it's a dark place. I know it seems like a very low place. But if you would just pray in that cellar, if you would just fast in that cellar, if you would just fast in that situation and seek God, you will find the secret place of the Most High. And there will be things you never thought. If you would bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Jesus, we need the anointing to flow through everything. God, if you drill down through this church, we ought to hit a geyser of anointing oil. And it's only going to happen if there's prayer warriors in this church that have laid down the sword and bent the knee and take up the position of the seller of oil. If they would spend their time leading their family, not because they're so equipped and not because they're so able, but literally because there's an anointing of purpose on their life, God. I know you divine so many things in us that, and design so many things for us, but God, would you give us a hunger for your presence to be there? Who's going to be a light in this city if there's no oil to walk the streets? Who's going to have feet that carry the gospel of peace if their shoes are not stained with oil? Who's going to mend the broken hearts of boys and girls who never knew the touch of a loving father if we don't follow our father? I'm asking for a restoration to come in this house today of anybody who's been fatherless. Maybe you've been fatherless because you turned your heart from God. Maybe you've been fatherless because you've drifted away. It's time to come back today. It's time to come home to the Father. In Jesus' name.